0: You're listening to MLB.com Extras, brought to you by MLB.tv. It's baseball everywhere. Hey, everyone. Tim McMaster here along with our MLB.com Yankees reporter, Brian Hoke. And, Brian, as we got ready to start this podcast, I noted the fact that I'm in a dark VO booth in Manhattan. You're on the field in Tampa enjoying batting practice. I think you have the better life right now.
1: Yeah, no, I, I would not trade places with you. I love New York. I love everything about it, but I'd uh, I'd rather be here right now on uh, March 3rd,
0: yeah. And the Yankees are playing good baseball as far as the spring goes. Of course, you can only... Take so much from the final results of spring training games. But heading into tonight's game, as it's Thursday right now, with the Orioles, Yankees 6-1 and one in their first seven games. They've played well. They've swung the bats well. They've got good pitching at times. Let's start with Wednesday night because it was the first night game at uh, the newly refurbished boss, as we'll call it. Uh, of the spring, and Jacoby Ellsbury coming through with a home run. Uh, Overall, that's a nice spark, and this offense overall looks nice.
1: For sure, yeah. Ellsbury has uh, driven the ball well since he's been here. He also had a double later in the game at right center field, and uh, he put the home run. It was a no-doubt shot out in the cabana deck in right field, and you know they always say, don't believe what you see in March and September, and And that's a that's a long way of saying that hey you know it's spring training and you're facing guys that may or may not be in the big leagues this year. But uh, Ellsbury looks like he's come to camp uh, motivated. He's stolen a couple bases already this spring, which is something he doesn't usually do that early in the spring. And I think uh, you know he's certainly heard some of the doubts. You know we've talked a lot about how he has had trouble living up to that 153 million dollar contract. And I'm not sure how you live up to that other than putting up MVP type numbers. And he hasn't done that, but. Uh, Ellsbury does look motivated, I I think, to to do a better job at the top of the Yankee lineup this year.
0: The one guy in that Yankees uh, team right now in that clubhouse that maybe has more attention on him than anyone, and and it's amazing when you think of what that roster is generally built upon, though, is Gary Sanchez, obviously coming off the great end of 2016 that he had, and he hit his first home run of the spring on Tuesday. That's obviously a good sign, but overall, you saw him play last year. Uh, late August and September. You're seeing him now. How does the now Gary Sanchez compare to what you saw back then?
1: Yeah, well I'll tell you what about the home run, it looked like it was to me it was a lazy fly ball to left field. It just kept going and going. I think it even fooled the left fielder. And uh Sanchez said he got under it a little bit and the bench coach Rob Thompson said, No, I don't get I don't see that. I think he got it. So I, I think you're gonna see that a lot with Gary Sanchez this year where He doesn't seem to quite square up the ball, and it it still goes out. And we saw that a little bit last year. I mean, with that kind of raw power, uh, he's just going to sometimes hit a home run by accident. Uh, I think that, you know, it's kind of interesting to see Sanchez now. You keep asking people around this Yankee camp, what's reasonable to expect? And, And since nobody's ever seen what he did last year, it's really hard to get a baseline on it. I mean, nobody has ever hit 20 home runs in 53 games like that. Uh, not not after August 1st in the season, so I think that uh, it's, a, it's a mystery, but I think the Yankees already believe that he's going to be one of the top catchers in the American League, both offensively and defensively, and and really, you talk to Sanchez, he takes a whole lot of pride in his defense. Uh, he's more jazzed, I think, by throwing a runner out, which he's done a couple times. He did it twice in an inning recently. Uh, he, he's more excited by throwing a runner out than hitting a big home run. I think that uh, he feels like he can help the Yankees on both sides of the ball and uh, you know, with, with catchers, you always say the defense has to come first. and Obviously, he's got elite offense potential, but uh, the defense has to be there, and, and so far it has been.
0: Yankees already faced the Red Sox once this spring, and I talked to Ian Brown a little bit about this on our Red Sox podcast, Brian, but um, it, it feels like maybe the beginning of a new chapter in the Red Sox-Yankees rivalry. We obviously saw all the young guys for the Red Sox um, really break through last year with Mookie Betts and Xander Bogarts, Jackie Bradley. We saw Ben Intendi at the end of the year. That team won a division title with all those young guys. And then you see what the Yankees have brought up now, late last year, and, and what is going to be coming in the next year or, or year and a half. And it feels like you know there was the great Rivalry portion in the 2000s, I guess, and then this rivalry has kind of cooled off a little bit in recent years, but it feels like maybe it's going to heat up again with all this young talent.
1: I think what you're seeing is the Yankees realize that uh, the 2003, 2004 way of building a dynasty, or even 2009, it's just really hard to do that because the, the elite players aren't getting the free agency. So, whereas you used to see teams like Boston and New York load up on established veteran, big price free agent guys. I think you're seeing both organizations realize that they have to develop from within. Their their pipeline needs to be productive to to get to the top. And you obviously see what the Cubs did, and they're a perfect example of it. Uh, Cleveland, to a lesser extent, this year. I I just think that the the game has changed, the finances of the game has changed, and and you're seeing a reflection that here with the Yankees when you look at guys like Aaron Judge, Greg Bird. You're you're talking about Luis Severino possibly being a rotation. Gary Sanchez obviously came up through the pipeline as an international signee. Uh, And The Yankees are going to have to keep developing these guys because you can't just go out and sign what you need. I mean, you see that this past year on the free agent market. Look, the Yankees needed a starting pitcher desperately. There, There just wasn't one there. So. Uh, there's no guarantees, but if you already have something from within that you feel good about and has learned the quote-unquote Yankee way from the bottom up, I I think you feel pretty good about that going forward. And and maybe you can get a player like that on the cheap.
0: All right, let's get into some more of those young players. Um, Greg Bird, obviously coming off a year in which he didn't play baseball after such a a great little start in 2015 when he came up. He's healthy right now, but how has he looked so far?
1: Looks good to me. I I think that... uh, yeah, He was down playing against the Red Sox in Fort Myers, and you were wondering where, if the power is going to be all the way back, and I asked him if he felt it was, and he said it was, and then went out and hit two home runs against the Red Sox. He hooked one around the uh, fake Fenway South pesky pole and then hit one over the monster in left field. So, you know, I, I think that if he's doing that on March 1st or whatever it is, uh, you feel pretty good about that. There was a game here where he doubled off the wall. I, I think he's driving the ball. Uh, he feels confident when he's throwing the ball, which is a good sign. He didn't do a whole lot of that. He he didn't play any defense in the Arizona Fall League. So I think what you're looking at right now is uh, I don't have a whole lot of doubt that Greg Bird is going to be the opening day first baseman, that he can grab that job. I, I know they've got Chris Carter in camp and that's, that's a good backup plan to have, but everything I've seen so far, Greg Bird can be that guy.
0: And then you mentioned Luis Severino and talk about a good start to the spring. Uh, first outing on Monday, two hitless shutout innings. And you have a story on Yankees.com right now, Brian, you're focusing in on the fact that he's worked on some things in the off season. And one of those things he's really trying to get better is the changeup.
1: Yeah. I and mean, that's an important pitch for him. That, that is huge because, I, it's really hard to be at this level and be a starting pitcher when you've only got two pitches. And he tried it, and you saw the results. As a starter, he was 0 eight last year with an ERA over eight. You can succeed out of the bullpen pitching like that, but for for whatever reason, he just lost the feel of his changeup. And the Yankees wondered if he might have muscled up too much over the off season. So when he went back to the Dominican for the off season, they told him to. Kind of lay off the weights, work more on flexibility, being more limber. Uh, I, I think you're seeing the results there. Uh, Severino had a terrific changeup coming up through the minor league system and showed it off a little bit at the big leagues at the end of 2015 when he came up and had those 11 big starts. Uh, I think that if he can be a three-pitch pitcher, you know, you might be looking at a top of the rotation type guy, top one, two, three starters, but uh, without it. It's really hard to see him having any kind of success long-term in the rotation, and, and maybe he winds up being a bullpen guy, and, and that's okay, too. He wouldn't be the first starting pitcher who had to convert to the bullpen, but obviously there's great value in starting pitching. Uh, we just talked about how the Yankees needed one. If Severian can step up and be that guy that they were trying to get over the offseason, that would be huge for this team.
0: James Kaprilian is a guy who, when the Yankees drafted him, seemed like he could be a a quick to the major leagues, maybe type guy. Um, He, he pitched a little bit early last year, then went down with the injury. Uh, He came back in instructs. Then he pitched in the Arizona fall league was very good. Um, And I guess you've talked to him recently, Brian, about the fact that because of that, because he didn't pitch much last year, but then did pitch a lot in the fall, the Yankees aren't letting him pitch right now too much and he's just got to kind of deal with it.
1: Yeah. You know, Brian Cashman used the term snail space for him and, and Caprillion said he kind of feels like a caged bull right now, but uh, that's just part of it. He understands there's a greater plan at at work here. Uh, They are being overly cautious, but that's because they value his arm, and uh, he looked okay. I mean, he looked good in the Arizona Fall League, uh, struck out almost a batter per inning. Uh, he also pitching the instructs, but I think that with a guy who missed all the almost all the year, he only made three starts last year uh, before he had the uh, the flexor strain in his elbow. Caution when you have a, an asset that could be as impact as James Kaprielian. Uh, that's probably the smart way to go and and I think what this might turn out to be is two years ago, the Yankees were in a similar situation where they kind of watched Luis Severino's innings carefully in the minor leagues. and uh, they they kept an innings capped on him, and he came up and he helped the team in August and September. They helped them uh, fight for a wild card at the end. I, I think you might see the same thing with James Caprillion. If he can pitch well in Tampa, he can move up to Trenton, uh, he's going to be on innings limit very similar to the way Severino was, but I'm not ruling out the idea that he might be in Yankee Stadium in August or maybe even earlier than that helping the big league team this year.
0: All right, before I let you go, Brian, we've been touching base with all our writers here at MLB.com about life on the road because – It's starting up again. Obviously, you're going to be down there in Florida for much of the next month or so. And then it's on the road a lot as the Yankees travel throughout the season. Life of the beat writer, I guess, is what we could call it as well. But in all your time covering the Yankees on the road and even if, you know, assignments before that, is there maybe a gem of a story that stands out to you that that people could get kind of a, a treat from hearing?
1: Well, now that you just said that, I'm thinking back. Like, when I left, did I leave the stove on?
0: Because it's been a <laughs>
1: while. But, um, you know what? The, I, I will tell you one funny story, and I, I don't think it reflects very well on me at all. But for some reason, during the ALCS, I was covering the ALCS, and this is not a Yankee story. It was Kansas City. And I touched down in Kansas City, and I said, you know, I, I feel like some barbecue during the series. And I, I think it was games three, four, and five. We're in Kansas City. And I said, can I get from the start of this series to the end of this series eating nothing but Kansas City barbecue? And uh, so we, <laughs> we went out to a bunch of restaurants, and there was uh, Jack Stack and Oklahoma Joe's and these great restaurants. L.C.'s was another one. I mean, I went seven for seven on that trip. And and it, after five of them, I, I was like, this is a really bad idea. And then somebody brought uh, barbecue into the press box, and I said, what, what the heck, you know, we already got five might as well have six. So, yeah, I'm not proud of that one. I'm not sure why I shared that, but uh, seven for seven in Kansas City might be a a playoff record that uh, has yet to be equaled on the baseball beat and probably never should be again.
0: Kind of a remarkable story, and I'll tell you why, Brian. It's because I asked this question to all the American League East writers, and Brittany Giroli also brought up Kansas City and barbecue as one of her stories, although she did not go seven for seven in meals, but she did just speak of the dangers of traveling to Kansas City with all the barbecue places and uh, the possibility of getting lunch and then taking some more barbecue to the ballpark and then, Mm -hmm. you know, all-day-long barbecue. So two out of five American League East uh, writers here at MLB.com hold Kansas City in high regard as far as life on the road. Good stuff.
1: It's sad. It's sad. But I think the key is you just skip breakfast and then you have
0: lunch and dinner, and then you don't feel so bad about it. Great stuff. Thank you, Brian. This has been MLB.com Extras, our Yankees edition. For Brian Hoke, I'm Tim McMaster. Tune in again next time. MLB.tv
1: Premium, the number one live streaming sports service is celebrating 13 years. Watch every out-of-market regular season game live or on demand in true HD. Real-time highlights, live look-ins, pitch tracking widget, and more. MLB.tv Premium includes a free At-Bat 15 subscription. Watch live baseball on over 400 mobile and connected devices. Watch at home, in the office, or on the go, every night, on every device. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Visit MLB.tv for details.